0: Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more, ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more, got each other on our side, plus all the folks at Fried the Burnout Podcast, with Kate Donovan. Hello, Fried fans, and welcome to season four of Fried the Burnout Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Donovan, and my mission with FRIED is to hashtag end culture. On this pod, we end burnout culture by sharing stories of people who have been through it all, sharing expert tips from the best in the burnout field, sharing hashtag straight from Kate episodes with my own expertise and some fun research now that I'm a student again, plus sharing actionable steps to help you end burnout starting today. If you're feeling burnt out right now, and you need personalized guidance, you can book a free breakthrough burnout call with me. You'll find the link bit.ly backslash call Kate in the show notes. Also, if you love fried and want to be part of our community, we'd love to have you just head over to Facebook and type in fried the burnout podcast discussion and click to join our group. It's a place for continued healing, deeper conversations and connections with people who just get it. And now, For this week's episode hello fried fans welcome back to another episode of fried the burnout podcast today you're gonna hear a conversation that has been a long time coming on the podcast and it is about caregiving this has come up a lot in the facebook group and these questions have popped up a lot. And it's not something that I can talk to as a personal experience outside of being a healthcare provider, because it has not been my life just yet. I am mm. almost 40 years old, but my parents are only 62. So yeah. I haven't had this experience of having an elder in my family that I need to be responsible mm-hmm. for. No, or it's, it's not always an elder, right? Sometimes it's a child, I also don't have children. So sure. I have this This conversation sort of, I'm not qualified to have it. So I'm really thrilled to be introducing Michelle Melendez, who is a licensed clinical social worker in New York and New Jersey, go Jersey, with Mm -hmm. over (laughs) 20 years experience providing mental health care and directing various behavioral health programs throughout her career. She also holds a private psychotherapy practice with a specialization and an interest and expertise in working with clients with work-related burnout, caregiver stress, and self-care. She also enjoys conducting workshops and presentations on these topics to raise awareness and to empower others towards making positive
1: change. Michelle, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to um, talk about this topic. It's a passion of mine, not only professionally, but also um, personally, because it has touched my life in a very impactful way. It's changed me forever. And we are about to to get to that.
0: Yeah. So we are about to get to that. So on every episode of Friday, we start with you sharing your burnout story. So I am going to take a step back, give you the stage, take as much time and space as you want. And we will let that story guide the remainder of our conversation. And I'm, I'm sort of guessing that I might cry today because, because I have my, my grandmother used to say, I have a bladder close to my eyes and stories Ah. like this always get to me. So, um, Everybody, if you hear me crying, it's just life. It's just real life.
1: Yeah, well, hopefully I won't cry because I don't want (laughs) to be distracted by my tears and then won't be able to speak. So, yeah. So um, it started with me about, um, I would say 13 years ago, actually. So I've been a a caregiver for a long time. It started, um, with my mom who has Alzheimer's for about 13 years, right? Which is really a long time. Most, many people don't have that disease, um, for that long, but, you know, it's been a long journey for her. So it started out 13 years ago. I still remember where we were at the doctor's office. I remember vividly the, the room we were in when the doctor walked in. And um my mom was there, obviously I was there. My daughter at that time was like three, sitting on my lap, probably right, wondering where, <laughs> where are we, right? Sitting on my lap, and my brother was there. And the doctor just walked in very a matter of fact and was like, you know, we got all your results back, you have Alzheimer's. So we were all quiet, all of us. We were like, okay, and this was like a I think we were there maybe 10 minutes. I mean, it seemed really quick. There was no like, and this is what it is. And this is what you need to do. And it was just the diagnosis and here's a follow-up appointment. So I remember when I heard, you know, the diagnosis Alzheimer's, I was like, oh, I've, I've heard of that before. You know, that that's the disease where people forget things, right? But that was really, I've never really had exposure to that. And I remember that night um, and my mom was quiet the rest of the day. And I remember that night telling her, and it was interesting because see, this is where I might cry, but I'm gonna try <laughs> not to, right? And let me just say too, I was, a, and I still am a single parent and my daughter at that time was a toddler, she was three. And my mom at that time was living with me um, during the week to help me with my daughter. So it's interesting. It was that day where the you know, the, the roles changed, right? Like here she is helping me during the week with my daughter, you know, while I go to work, et cetera. And in this moment now I have two people now that I have to take care of. And I remember that night, um, just telling her to, you know, I was laying down in my bed and I, I told my mom, Come lay next to me. She was tired. And she just laid there and she was just so silent. And I just told her, I said, Look, I don't know what all of this means, but I says, Don't worry, I'm gonna take care of you. You're not gonna be alone in this. And I kept that promise. Yeah. Not knowing what you were signing up for. (laughs) What that meant. But what I did know, even though I didn't know what that was going to entail for me, not only physically, not only emotionally, not only financially, et cetera, et cetera. But what was clear is how much I loved my mother Mm. and my commitment to her. That was clear. And it was from that place. I said that whatever I could realistically do to help her, I'm going to be there because what kept me 13 years later is remembering all the things that she has done for me, all the sacrifices that she has done for me. She was always there for me. And I just felt me personally, that this is my time to show up for her in the way that she has showed up for me and that was with that unconditional love because that's how my mother how i experienced my mother is love unconditional yeah so this was my time now i felt to give back yeah. and it's been hard Yeah. and it still is it's 13 years later and you know for many caregivers of those, especially with dementia, it's a progressive disease, right? And my mom's course has been very slow and steady, right? So right now where she is, you know, she's bedbound, hardly verbal, you know, um, eating all liquefied foods. It's bad, right? Uh, but she's still hanging in there. And I tell myself sometimes from a spiritual, especially when I'm having some rough moments, I, I I say to myself spiritually, like, why is she still here, man? You know, yeah. like, look at her, she's like 80 pounds. She can't even turn herself. She can't speak. Like, why is she still here? Yeah. Right. So from that same place of love, it's like, you know, sometimes I felt like,
0: I'm ready to release I mean, that's you. Literally,
1: right. Like I'm ready to release her because I love her so much. Right. Because yeah. it's hard to see her in that way. And then, you know, one day, you know, for me, I felt like I had this epiphany when I was just meditating on that question. Why is she here? And I, I felt like, you know what? Maybe she's still here for you. Right. There's still mm-hmm. lessons for me to learn even at with her at that state right that maybe there's still lessons for me to learn right perhaps things that i can still grow from this situation as ugly and painful as it is so perhaps she's not even here for herself necessarily but maybe it's a it this is about me still right because in this long journey i i can tell you I don't think that I would have been the same person that I am today if I have not experienced that. So who knows? Even 13 years later, maybe there's still some more.
0: For you, for your daughter, who knows? Right. Yeah. So what I'm thinking about when you say this, first of all, everyone, I already cried once. So let's just, (laughs) let's just mark that off the list. Um, But I talk to a lot of people who, don't have that level of love and appreciation for their parents and rightfully Ooh. so right because yes. they they were not treated with unconditional love they were not right. brought up in a way that made mm-hmm. them feel safe and whole and taken care of so their experience of caregiving is rightfully much different there's a lot of resentment and there's a lot sure. of like annoyance and frustration in the process i'm sure there was resentment and annoyance mm-hmm. and frustration along the past 13 years sure. for you it's oh, sure. you know it's, it's wrapped up in a pretty package right now because we're here but I'm sure you've been through your stuff but for people who who didn't have or didn't experience that same kind of motherly love that you were lucky Mm -hmm. enough to get how the hell
1: did they deal yes no and I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's another issue that people don't talk about and this is where the expectations come in, right? Mm. You should take care of your parents. They're mm. your parents. But not all parents are created equal, just like what you just mentioned. It was easier for me to step in that role because of my experience with my mom. Now, if I had a mom that was very different, i.e. abusive, abandoned me, caused havoc in my life, that as an adult, many years later, I'm in therapy for her. I don't know if I would have had that urge to take care of that person. And that's okay too. Mm. Right. This is a personal decision that you have to make. Right. So it's not about what other people tell you to do because you're the one who has to live with this. This is not easy. It's going to change your life. If you really are immersed in this, it will impact your life in every way. and you don't have to do this because going back to my earlier point you may not be the best candidate for the job even if you have a good relationship yeah right so you don't have to provide the care and part of caregiving isn't always providing the care directly that you're the person feeding them getting them up in the morning no that's 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 part of care but also care is hey i can't do those things but i'm going to help you get services or someone that can help you. That's still caregiving. I
0: want to just say that again. The caregiving that must be given doesn't have to be given directly from you. Right. Right. And I would like to sort of expand that that conversation a little bit to people who have children that need extra care mm-hmm. for whatever reason, illness whatever reason in, in right. different abilities, etc Right. Right. Just because the care is needed and you're the point person right. by nature of your relationship. If it is your child, they are your responsibility. Right. Sure. But as your mother, sure. it's not necessarily your responsibility. But if it's your right. child,
1: sure.
0: You don't you can't get away from that. That's still your child. Sure, but that absolutely. doesn't mean that you're the best person to do all the aspects of the care.
1: Right, right, right. And that's where burnout, that's the door for burnout to come in, right? Whether it's your children or someone else, a neighbor, a friend you're caring for, whatever. You can't do this alone. You can't, it's just impossible. There's parts of it that you have to reflect on that you're good for, right? And other parts like, I'm not good for this, whether it's because it's just not, something that I could do or want to do, or I don't have the expertise in, I don't have the time to do. So that's where you draw in other people.
0: Yeah. So people have a hard time in situations like this, asking for help or they don't know where to turn. Like you have a little bit of a, a, like, a special privilege in the way of you are a clinical social worker. So you do, you are tapped into a certain level of services and you know that there are some things available, but there are people out there that are like, I don't, I'm alone. I have no one to ask and I can't afford to pay for X level of service.
1: And they might not be aware of some of the things that are, of some of the options. Sure. Sure yeah and that's where the systemic problem lies right because this is an issue you know i was just recently reading on the national alliance for caregiving just released a report that just between 2015 and 2020 there's been an increase of 9.5 more million caregivers in the us right so there's a lot of people dealing with this but yet why is it that someone has to be like oh my god where do I start with this who do I ask I mean there's no education there's no awareness even a doctor's office even in healthcare even yeah. in the healthcare industry there's not much education yeah. right no. hospitals are full of patients but they're also full of caregivers right because yeah. many people in the hospital right are accompanied by family members, visited by family members, right? Yes. But yet the awareness of what their needs are, whether it's concrete or emotional is so limited. Yeah, so but where do people go?
0: Is, you know, what do yeah, people well, do? Like if you you find yourself mm-hmm. in a situation sort of suddenly, like you go to a doctor's office one day and within 10 minutes, they're like, sorry, mom has Alzheimer's, bye. Right, what do you what do you do?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the good news is that there, there are some organizations really doing good work, right. In terms of education and awareness um, and resource, you know, your example about Alzheimer's, the Alzheimer's association has a hotline, they have a website, right? So there are resources, national Alliance of caregiving, another great resource, family caregiver Alliance. So there are, you know, websites and organizations that their their whole commitment and mission is um, educating and supporting caregivers. Mm. But I understand like at that time when my mother got her diagnosis, I didn't know of any because was, it wasn't relevant at that time, right? Yeah. You know, I had to dig my way into finding a lot of the, the the things that I know about now. And sure, absolutely. My background has definitely worked to my favor and, you know, Years ago, um, like I told you, my mother's experience has been so life-changing that back in about 2015, I was so disturbed about the fact that there is no resources for caregivers. That you know, one day I just made the decision. I said, "Oh my God, I I have to be that person that I wish I had once upon a time." Right, Mm -hmm. and I started free support groups in the public library actually I spoke with the local mayor of my town I educated I met with him I educated him about caregiving about the need for resources and he supported me I started free support groups in the library where again and for all caregivers so it's not important You know oh this is alzheimer's care this is uh copd no because at the end of the day sure the 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 the, the health conditions that we may be providing care for may be different but our experience is the same Mm -hmm. and that's what brought us all together so we would meet monthly share you know self-care tips resources etc um but there should be more of the, those kinds of um, supports out there in the community because, you know, going back to the recent report that I stated, um, it was also indicated that caregivers' health is showing now that their health is decreasing more so now than it did five years ago. So here we go back to burnout, going back to self care. And, 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 you know, it's interesting if you don't watch that it's, it's, it's an interesting irony. If you're in caregiver who's burned out, what's going to wind up happening for many of you going to wind up in the nursing home before the person that you're caring for, you're going to be in the hospital. Yeah. Right. And you never thought about that. And how, and you're going to wonder, how did I ever get here? You stop going to doctor's appointments, you start stress eating, you stop exercising, you self-isolate from people that, you know, used to be in your life. So it's, and that doesn't happen overnight, right? It happens slowly. And now you're a patient who needs a caregiver, right? Isn't that something? Yeah. And they (laughs) say the
0: statistics are pretty clear that as the boomers age, Now the number of caregivers that if it went up in those past five years by 9.5 million, it's supposed to double that within the next 10. Right. Right. We're not we're not gonna have less caregiving to do. We're gonna have more and more because we have an enormous generation that's just above us that's all gonna age at the same time. Right. So this burden is coming toward a lot of a lot of people. Yes. It's just getting more and more and more. So you did mention a couple of organizations that I will put links to those in the show notes so that people can access them because I want people to have every resource that they can possibly have. But so if you're sort of going along this caregiving journey, whether you are doing it as a mother, a family member, a friend, a, a sibling, a, you know, child, whatever, and you realize that you're in this burnout mode, and and maybe you're not quite in the hospital yet, but you're starting to realize that your health is breaking down, how do you create space to care for yourself while still providing care for the person in your care without feeling so damn guilty, right? Because you feel like you're, by giving yourself something, you feel like you're taking something away
1: from them. Sure.
0: Fried fam, I tell you in nearly every episode that step one of your burnout recovery is blood work. And I know that a lot of you avoid it because it's a pain and because your doctor has told you that everything is quote unquote fine. And they refuse to test all the things that you think you need. What if I told you that you could test what you want, when you want, from your home with just a couple of drops of blood? SciFox Health allows you to do just that. You can buy tests as one-offs or join a membership. Either way, you can test and track your results to help you make decisions about your burnout recovery journey. Get 10% off any membership, subscription, or one-time test kit right now. Go to SciFoxHealth.com forward slash fried for your discount. That's s-i-p-h-o-x-health.com forward slash fried.
1: So this is where like, creativity is important, right? Because your self-care what that looked like prior to your caregiver journey was i'm sure it was very different right so it's not and it's so it can no longer be the same right especially if you don't have help right other people helping you so it requires then you reflect on so with the limitations that i have right in terms of caregiving right not having enough support etc what can i do around self care even if it's small because i think many times people think if it's not a all out you know elaborative self care then it's not self care right so like why bother but the truth is that every bit counts so looking at it in small ways so if you're finding yourself that yourself you know yourself isolating from other family members friends etc then deciding you know what even if it's even if it's once a month as an example i'm going to pick up the phone and call a friend even if it's for five minutes because what's happening now is zero right you're isolating so thinking about it in small ways so even like when it comes to exercise oh i can't get to the gym even if it's just taking a walk doing home exercises even if it's stretching so th- that is self-defined right Yeah, how we define self care, what fills our cup. So whatever that is, is to think about it in small steps in small ways, because it all counts. What we don't want is for nothing to happen. Mm -hmm. Right? Because that's where the risk comes in for depression, for anxiety, for health problems, etc, etc. That's what you want to avoid.
0: Yeah. And I think that getting into some of these resources that you mentioned, you will find that there are people that can come and sit for a half an hour so that you can leave the house. There are people available within different communities and different services that can come during mealtime and feed your, the person under your care the care right. vie, I suppose, right? Mm-hmm. There are these services that exist. And if you're not utilizing them, you're not doing yourself right. any favors. There is a very right. clear relationship to, for, between asking for help and the level of your resilience. It's the only behavior that research has shown to increase your resilience is asking for help. So asking mm-hmm. for help and then using it actually makes you a better caregiver over time because you are able to decrease that resentment. You're able to decrease that frustration because you're actually taking time to do things for yourself. I know that also in New Jersey in particular, I know that there is a way through Medicare, Medicaid, I'm not sure exactly Mm -hmm. what, for you to get paid for being right. a caregiver. So right. instead of if if there is there is money available for, for caregivers and you can assign right. that money to yourself or to your right. cousin or to whoever sure. you want to assign it to. So mm-hmm. that's, I don't know if that's the same in, in every state and I don't know how it works in different places in the world, but I do know that in New Jersey that that's an available option. So if you're caregiving and you feel like you don't have enough money and you're not taking advantage of that resource, well, then right. look to that resource because those extra few hundred dollars here and there might be just the difference you need to be able to get out for that half hour or buy
1: better groceries so that you can give yourself better food. Sure, sure. And it made me, you know, it gave me a flashback of some previous conversations when, when I talked to some caregivers that actually have like a home health aid or another paid caregiver in the house. And they're still providing care with that person in the house. Yeah. It's like this is your respite. Yeah. Take it. Get a out walk. the way. Please. Yeah. Like, yeah. why do you have this person here if you're also going to be feeding and bathing and turning the person every time? Like, so why are we doing this? Yeah. That's also your care. Yeah, it's your loved one's care, but it's also yours because that's what gives you the opportunity to step away.
0: Yeah. I think this digs further into the feelings of like guilt and self-judgment that come around caregiving. Right. Right. So this, then, then again,
1: we're back to this idea of like, how do we deal with the guilt? Right. And also the idea of, well, no one could do it as good as me. Right. (laughs) Only I know how to give the best baths, right. Or cook that, you know, you got to get over that right? Because if you keep holding on to that idea that only you could do it right, nobody else can, then that's just going to lead to your demise. It really is. And I'm being straight up about it. There's just some conceptions that we have that we have to let go if you want to survive. Yeah. Yeah. And the guilt around self-care, Again, very dangerous, right? Because if we entertain that, oh my God, someone else is taking care of my loved one, That that that's not me, what does that say about me, right? So what is the other, so what's the choice? You wanna be that person all the time on top of working and doing the other thing. It's just not realistic and part of love and care Is knowing when you need to bring in help. So even if you're not providing the direct care, but by getting appropriate care, adequate care, supervised care, you are are providing care. Many people think, like, well, if I'm not completely immersed in it 24 7, then I'm not being a good caregiver. No, that's not even a realistic expectation especially if you have another life, right? Like if you're working and you have relationships and you're in school, it's cannot happen. Well, and just like you said,
0: when you started this journey, you were a single mother of a three-year-old. Right. So you're a single mother, you have a three-year-old, you have this mother that you have to take care of. You can't not work because you have a three-year-old and a mother to take care of. So there needs to be income. Right. And you have to make it work somehow. Can you tell me, can we get like really real for a second? And can you tell me one of your like worst moments?
1: Mm. There was many.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because you sound so I lovely today, you know, like you sound, you sound so together and with it and lovely. And you're like, well, I love my mother and I'm doing everything I can. But mm-hmm. I, I just, I just know that there had to be some moments where you were like, for real?
1: Yeah. <sighs> wow. Wow. Well, I do go through the Rolodex of those moments, (laughs) it was so hard. I would say that, I think it was one day where she was becoming like very agitated, which is not uncommon, right? In the early middle stages, they can get very agitated. Um, And I remember she was getting impatient about something, Um, started becoming agitated and didn't tell me she wanted to use the bathroom Mm. so what happened i stepped away and she soiled herself right and i was in the middle of i think i was in this happened in the basement of my house doing some like you know um I don't know if it was helping, putting up shelves. I was doing some kind of like, you know, housework. I was already stressed out, right? Yeah. And my daughter's playing on the floor. So there was a lot of variables happening all at the same time. <laughs> right. And she's agitated. And then she, you know, she urinated on herself, which got her even more mad. And I just remember like, oh my God. Like it's I don't know if you remember probably dating myself. But I remember this commercial growing up, it was called Calgon, take me away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A lady was like, oh, this can, she was just a Calgon, take me away. Like, that's what I felt like doing in that moment. Yeah. And I was like, wow, like, this is not sustainable. This this is just too hard. Yeah. You know, it's just too much stimulus constantly coming at me and my tank was like on a quarter if if yeah. maybe less so it was just too much and when we made the decision to get my mother home care because she she still always kept her apartment which was good right so when we got to that point like oh my god this is not sustainable like my mom at that point now is like a patient yeah like and where I live is not a hospital I don't have nurses and all these other attacks to help me in this in those moments right yeah so she's a patient now her needs are much higher now than what I can meet so that's where the decision came in it's like wow we need to apply for 24 7 care yeah and the only way that that would be able to happen is if she went back to her apartment and I remember during that transition the guilt like Mm -hmm. i missed her i was like oh my god you know i'm not going to be seeing her every day um because i you know i stayed in my place now she's over there oh my god they're strangers so there was definitely a um transition and, and a lot of grief getting used to that yeah new phase but you know later you know i realized like my god like that saved my life too yeah, because I was feeling like, oh my God, like I'm gonna wind up in the nurse. You know, let's stop talking about her being like it's gonna be me, man. That's what it felt like. So in the middle, when she got back home, she got the twenty four seven care, and it was good for her because think about it. This is like you know I'm dealing with three generations, right? I had myself, my daughter who's three years old wants to go to the park and play go to ballet class and at that time i had to bring my mother with me so my mother's like i don't want to be in ballet you know what i mean and doing these things it's not fair to her yeah right or i had to go to the supermarket i had to bring my daughter and my mom it's not even fair to her right she needs to be in a nice quiet location and just someone just 24 hours, just, you know, meeting all her needs. So in the end, it worked out the best for all of us. And again, that's where I started getting my fuel back. And that's because I I had an opportunity to step up, to step back, and to come back to myself, because I was just put on a shelf um, for a few years. So yeah, so
0: something that you said, something that you said past couple of minutes is something that I think is extremely important and needs to be addressed is that there's a grieving process that happens when you're caregiving while your caregiving is alive and if it's oh, your sure. child there's often grief for the life that you wish that they could have yeah, if it's right. a parent you're grieving the loss of that parent before you actually lose them especially if there's a dementia involved because they're not that their sure. personality changes they're not the same person so mm-hmm. How, do you have any suggestions for people how they can manage and, and address and be real with themselves about that grief while their caregiver is still living?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, that, that is so, such a complicated mm. experience. You know, sometimes we term that as like ambiguous loss and in, yeah. and in terms of Alzheimer's, they call it the long goodbye. Yeah. Right. So it's like I've been saying goodbye for 13 years. Right. So it's like mom is here, but not really. Yeah. Right. So dealing with that is so, it's so, such a complicated experience and one in which, again, you know, it's only over time that you, if I could say, kind of adapt to it. I'm not going to say get used to it, but you kind of just learn to live with it. And I think for me, one of the hardest things again talking about my personal experience with my mother and i recognize that's not true for other people but just keeping it on me my mom was not only my mother she was also like my best friend Mm. right she was also um you know in terms of my career in school she was almost like a mentor it's like mom i'm thinking of applying for this job or doing this and so she was always like that you know that that voice of encouragement and, and i could talk to my mom about everything so when alzheimer's came i lost all these roles in my mother so i was like <sighs> oh my god i lost mom i lost my good friend i lost like a mentor i lost like my sounding these- board yes my sounding board for all things And i was like wow so I got to a place like, again, in my experience and said to myself, like, Michelle, you you didn't lose your relationship with your mom. It's just redefined now. It's different. Right. So we still have that relationship, but it's just different now. Yeah. So it's not that I lost her completely. She's just still there, but in a different way. Yeah. Right. And. And now I'm there for her in a different way. So I think in terms of like grieving that, there is no formula. There's nothing that (laughs) someone could tell you that's going to make that better. It is what it is. It hurts. But I think just like for me, accepting that, sure, things have changed. But it's just different now. She still is my mom. She still is my best friend. Yeah. Right? She is. She still is that person in my life that I look up to the most. She still is my, well, she's just different. Yeah. But that was never lost. Yeah.
0: Were you, did you have, did you find that you had to find people to fulfill those functions? for you? Like, did you have to find a new mentor and a new sounding board and a new best friend? Because my mother is quite the same in, in my life. Like she's definitely my sounding board. When there's something that I want to do even different, my mother has no business acumen, but when I want to change something in my business, I talk to her about it because she's the, she's the mirror. She's the reflection. She's the one that I lean on. So if I didn't have that from her, I know personally that I would need to get that somewhere else, but I would also have to grieve going through that process of asking somebody else
1: to do it, you know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I have in some ways, but it's not the same. Yeah. (laughs) Right. You know, I've found that in a few, but it's not the same and that's okay. Yeah. Because no one would ever be able to be like exactly who she was for me. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I've done that. And it's been okay.
0: Yeah. So another thing that came up for me while you were talking in the very beginning was this idea that this, and I think this is um, particular to dementia and or other mental mm-hmm. issues during caregiving, that there can be some harsh words mm. that come out from your caregiving, you know, when they're, when they're being aggressive, when they're in a mood, when for whatever reason, something's coming out, like it it can be, it can get nasty. Right. Right. And I have seen and talked to quite a few people who have a hard time not taking that personally, even though they know like on a mental, on an intellectual level, it's not about them. Right. How, how did you handle that? Yeah.
1: Well, here's, here's the truth. In some ways you are going to take it personally. You can't help it. That's like your family member, like me, my day job, right? If a patient was to cu- curse me out, say something or so, I, for the most part, I understand, you know, because of the nature of our relationship, right? Yeah. It's not going to resonate with me in the same way as if like someone outside of work spoke to me in that way. So it's very different, right? How you could Handle certain things, um, you know, when it's like, like, at least for me, work related versus home. So, when, because of the nature of the relationship, this is a family member to say, like, oh, I don't take it at all personal. Like, I remember once my mother, Adam, <laughs> and look, I'm not saying anything bad about her, it was part of her disease, right? Yeah. But she was mad at me and she told me, like, something like, oh, I should have aborted you right and i said oh wow like oh, you know well, that's that's not that's not even the way my mother would even speak you right. know what i mean so i was like wow like damn this disease really like hijacks like people's yeah. brain and yeah. has them say things and do things that are so out of character so when she said that, I was like, oh. Ouch, mom. <laughs> I was like, wow, I've never heard my mother even like talk about abortion. Now she's saying she wished she did that to me. But so like there was a few <laughs> like moments of shock. But then again, I came back and I said, reminding myself that this is heart disease. You have to keep coming back to that. But absolutely the initial shock, of course you're gonna take it personal. Yeah. Because of the you're nature human. of the relationship, sure, and it's the nature of the relationship. Because especially like with Alzheimer's, for a really long time, the person looks normal. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's like it could be confusing. Wow. it's like you're walking, you're talking, you're eating, you look normal, right? So it could be confusing, and and sometimes you could be like, oh, you, yeah, they know what they what they're saying, right? But the truth is. Just because they're walking and talking and eating and look normal and nicely dressed doesn't mean that they are well. Yeah. Right. Cause yeah. it's easier when someone is very sick, yeah, to be like, you know, you kind of give them a little bit more grace, right? Like, yeah. oh my God, we're gonna. But the truth is it's yeah, I'm I'm not gonna lie about that. It is hard. It yeah. is hard sometimes yeah. not to take things personal, but again, we have the responsibility. Um to keep that boundary there, right? And not to act upon any intense reactions that may... (laughs) That may pop up, yeah, yeah. So my my grandmother had Lewy body
0: dementia. So not the same exact as Alzheimer's, but very similar pattern. And her outbursts for me were sort of funny because they were Mm -hmm. so not who she was. My grandmother was like a storybook. She was not very tall. She was heavy set and she baked like most of the day. Like that was, she was literally straight out of a, a, you know, a book and she had 19 grandchildren and it was, you know, like everybody, every single one of us got um, our, the style of cake that we loved the most for our birthdays. And she would mail them to us all over the country. And she, she was just like this magical woman. And So when she was getting nasty, like I kind of got a kick out of it because Mm. she wasn't my mother. She was my grandmother. I knew who she was, but there is other, and I was very close to her growing up. That's where I went when I was sick. That's who I, you know, that's who I spent time with. We only lived two miles away from them my whole life, but my father really struggled with this change in her. Mm. So the personality changes and and the nastiness that came out were really affecting him and sure. I, was, I was able to have a little bit more distance to it because it was so obvious to me that it mm. wasn't her, that right. I just sort of like, whatever. But when we would go see her, she was in a home. And when we would see her and she would say something, my father would like have to leave the room. Mm. And I would be able to handle it. So I think it's also important to touch upon the fact that if there are multiple people in the caregiving situation, that everybody can react the way that they need to react and take care of themselves emotionally, the way that they need to take care of themselves, because they might not be able to view the situation the same way that you do. Because again, like you said, it's based on the nature of your relationship with the person. Sure
1: right and you know what 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 you're saying is making me think too about the importance again as much as you can to get help because Mm -hmm. think about it like in your father's case suppose he was providing the care by himself there was no one else there you weren't there no one else was there that That's very hard to tolerate that, right? If you're in it constantly. But he had the opportunity to go to the other room, have someone else come in and take over. So again, you know, in terms of, because it is going to be hard and there are going to be those moments where you may take things personal. And that's why it's so important to have respite, to have that opportunity to walk away. Because I think the dangerous zone is when you're always in it right and those things are happening and you can't go right you you can't step away i think that's where it could get risky in 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 many ways and that that there it goes again around when we talk about safety self-care is a safety measure because it gives you the tolerance to deal with those difficult moments if you're not taking care of yourself at all not even in small ways it's like you don't have the capacity, you know, t- to handle these difficult moments. And that's where it's, it can get, you know, potentially problematic for the person who you're taking care of, and also for you. Yeah, so it, you know, we have a responsibility in that way.
0: I think so. I think one of the most important messages that I'm hearing, and please correct me if you think that uh-huh. there's that there's another one, but I think one of the most important messages that I'm hearing from you is Stop trying to convince yourself that you have to do this alone and find a way to get support.
1: Right. Sure. Yes.
0: Because there's a lot of people that I've talked to that are just like, well, it's impossible for me to get help. There's no help. Right. And what you're saying is get creative. You need to get help somehow, some way, because... Mm this is not sustainable for you to be doing 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Sure.
1: And it can be for a little bit, but again, long-term, it's not sustainable to do it on your own. You may be able to do it for a little while alone. Sure. Let's see how long that lasts <laughs> because eventually, especially case in point with Alzheimer's, another very like progressive disease, it doesn't get better. Yeah. It only gets worse. So are you ready, prepared for the worst? Yeah. Right. You have to get prepared for that.
0: Yeah. And I think the other message that I think I, I hear you say underneath all of this is be aware and kind to yourself about what your limits are yeah. based on your knowledge, availability, energetic mm-hmm. availability uh, around your skills, kind of all of those things sure. wrapped up together. Because say you're a caretaker, but you also have a mental disorder. And you Mm -hmm. need more time to process or you need, you know, like, so you need to take all of the different aspects of yourself into consideration when you're making decisions about how much care and which parts of the Mm -hmm. care you can
1: really participate in. Absolutely. And that's part of being a responsible caregiver is recognizing what are your strengths, mental, physical, financial, et cetera, and what are, what are not your strengths? and those areas then pulling in whether it's other people or resources to fill that gap again as much as you can but there's no there's no right or wrong answer to this right it's a personal decision and again at the end of the day you don't have to do this that's still a choice right
0: because i I just heard people go
1: you know in my mind like people i hear people listening go what do you yeah. mean? If I don't do it, it won't get done. Like, of course I have to do right. this. Yeah. And sometimes when you think that you have no choice, that's what contributes to the resentment Yeah. to the extra stress. Yeah. Right. Is when you think that, you know, there is no one else. I have to do it all alone or else it's not going to get done. Um, but for me, again putting it back on the eye this was her choice sure she was my mom and she was a great mom but I didn't have to do this yeah I chose to that's going to be a hard one for some people to swallow
0: but I think really Really, really important to say. So we are getting close to the top of an hour already, which seems unbelievable, because I feel like there's Mm -hmm. so many aspects of this conversation that are so important. But can you tell people now sort of what it is that you do and what it is that you offer in this space so that they can get an idea of outside of the resources that you mentioned, what kind of resources are out there?
1: Well, what I, you know, as you mentioned earlier, I do have a, a private counseling practice, and some of my clients are caregivers. So, you know, we, you know, I help I help other caregivers, you know, along their journey in terms of providing caregiver education and resources and like emotional support. I also um, have done a lot of workshops around care, you know, caregiver burnout. Again, just education about what it is. How do you ask for help, talking about resources, et cetera? So um, a lot of my workshops or uh, presentations are more around care, self-care for caregivers, right? And talking yeah. about caregiver burnout. In terms of um, other resources, you know, like some of those organizations that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. I think are a good start um, to get people some information about, you know, what, what does it mean to be a caregiver? Um, they also list um, resources are, as well on those websites, as well as offer their phone number to speak to somebody. Yeah. Um, so that, that would be something that I suggest.
0: Yeah. So if somebody's listening to this now and they're like, um, Michelle, I need to talk to you yesterday, how do they find you? How do they get in touch with you?
1: Um, I could share my email. Um, my, the name of my practice is called Self Care Solutions. Uh, my email is selfcare solutions now at gmail.com. So don't worry, everybody. You don't have to
0: remember that if your brain is burnt out and you're having a hard time. I have it noted here already. It is in a little chart. It will be put into the show notes so that you have it. Michelle, thank you so much for... First of all your knowledge but second of all your willingness to sort of go to the dark places with me. I know that mm-hmm. I I do ask people to share the scarier parts of their stories because these are the parts that other people relate to and they say, "Oh god, right. I went through that too," you know? So I know you had to dig a little bit to get to those places and I'm so grateful that you were able to to share them with us because I think that that's what will really make our listeners feel understood. Um sure. and that that's so useful. That's so useful. Yeah. So I'm, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks yeah, for no,
1: you're welcome. Thank co- you. Coming and
0: chatting on fried And listen up, Fried fans. What you just heard just now is as simple as if you're caregiving, you're not alone. Right. If you're caregiving, you need breaks in some way, shape, or form. And if you're caregiving, you're probably just not good at all of it. Right. So do the parts you're good at and get help for the rest
1: yes yeah and thank you kate thank you um i don't know many people who speak about burnout in the way that you do i wish they did there would be more understanding i think about what this you know, the whole burnout means and you know what people need in, in terms of burnout recovery so thank you for the work that you do and how you do it because it's definitely helped me so oh, i'm so you. grateful
0: for that thank you all right fried fans go off take care of yourselves and give yourselves first what you need. Give to yourself mm-hmm. first so that you can then have the tolerance and availability and energy to give to others. Absolutely. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you